Welcome to the On Purpose Investor Podcast, show number 80. Aaron Letzeiger is the co-founder and COO of OB, a venture-backed insurance and risk management technology platform serving the 17 million real estate investors in the U.S. OB's digital quoting platform and instant rate options make it the easiest and most transparent way in the market today for investors to obtain coverage. Prior to founding OB, Aaron started and grew several successful companies that he's seen to an exit. In addition to his work at OB, he is an active real estate investor and a venture partner at the San Francisco-based venture capital group Pioneer Fund. Aaron graduated from Michigan State University and was named to the Forbes 30 Under 30 list. Let's welcome to the show today, Aaron Letzeischer. Welcome to the On Purpose Investor Podcast. My name is Eric Vogel. I'm a real estate investor, mastermind coach, husband to an amazing woman, and often my co-host, Tiffany, and father to two incredible boys. I'm on a mission to help you become a real estate investor and not only achieve seven-figure success like my wife and I did, but to do so with intention, direction, and clarity. If you want to transform your financial and personal goals, become the version of yourself you've always wanted, and reach your dream life ASAP, then you're in the right place. Thank you for deciding to hit that play button today. Now let's begin. Welcome to the On Purpose Investor Podcast, Aaron. Great to have you here. Thanks so much, Eric. Happy to be here. Awesome. So tell us a little bit about yourself, Aaron. I've briefly mentioned what you do, where you came from, but I'd love to hear it from you. My background's a little, uh, I would say, unconventional on how I both got into to real estate investing and uh, now doing insurance for real estate investors. So my background was originally, I, I got a, a political theory degree, thought I was going to go to law school. And my brother, who actually is my co-founder at Obi, his background was real estate private equity. So he's the one that really got the bug into my, uh, into my ear about the ability of really being able to, I think, control my own financial destiny and slowly started to accumulate a portfolio of single and multifamily residential real estate investment properties. And it was around that time that Ryan, my brother, had started complaining just about how difficult and opaque the insurance industry was. Back in college, just for fun, I, I had gotten my insurance license. I hustled my friends for their uh, their renters insurance and their auto insurance because you know why not some beer money for the weekend, and you know we we just started talking about it. And then especially as the market several years ago, and this is more prevalent now, insurance has started to become one of our largest annual line item expenses, but the one we always felt like we had the least amount of control and insight into. And that's that's how we started then moving into this space. Started talking with other owners, figuring out yeah this is this is the same type of pain point that they. Experience, and we really wanted to be able to build a product and insurance buying experience that I think matched the type of expectation that most investors have. It's not really like your home and auto policy, right? Like you, you have your home, you bought it, you, you get insurance for it. It's got a lot of sentimental value, but but your you know your insurance for your investment properties, right? Like that's a line item on that P and L. That's something that really drives that day to day decision making, and it's something that that we really felt like investors should be in the driver's seat for. So. That's really where Obi came from. We're now an insurance technology company that that's really hyper focused on the residential real estate investors across the country. Outstanding. So Obi, does the name come from anywhere special, or is it AI generated? Maybe. <laughs> no, no, not not AI generated. That was the name of my brother's dog when we came up with the uh, the business. So Obi the dog uh, was actually named after the beer Oberon. So Bell's Oberon became the dog, and then the dog became the business. Hey, what a transformation! Yep. From a drooling puppy to a multi-million dollar business. There you go. 
I love it. That's outstanding. So you are a real estate investor, as most of our listeners are, or they are aspiring to be. Tell me a little bit about your real estate investing experience. Have you shifted anything in the in the recent years with the market shift? Just tell us a little bit about that. We had originally gotten started in, at least for for my part, in the residential side. So Ryan's background, he was originally in the office and retail sector, grocery anchor shopping centers, right around the turn of the retail apocalypse, you know, 2008, 2009. And really got to a point and said he, he enjoyed real estate, but figured out that, that people don't always need a place to shop, but they always need a place to live. And that's really provided a lot of stability in the residential side. And so I saw that same writing on the wall, You know, started with some small condo units, right? I started to get my feet wet in those asset types, and then slowly started to expand and, and build a, a portfolio of, of several units. And it was really about trying to become comfortable with taking that leap, right? Like there, there has to be a lot of trust. You have to be able to, to go to bed at night and know that like, yes, yeah, something might happen. Uh, you're not living in that unit, but you want to be able to, to make sure that you've got plans and you've got, you've got good tenants that are in there and ways of mitigating some of the issues that might come up to help you, you know, become a more comfortable real estate investor. And that, and that becomes easier over time, right? The most stressed out you're going to be as a real estate investor is that first unit, right? Absolutely. Because something happens or you get the tenant that doesn't know how to change a light bulb. And People laugh about that until you actually get the email or the phone call. It says, hey, my, my light bulb's out. And you say, well, okay, go to the hardware store and uh, replace it. And they're like, well, I, I, do you twist it to the right or to the left? And you're like, those are always the surprises, right? It's always the first or second unit you have that really gives you your battle scars in the space. It's so true. And I bring that up because it's very rare that you find someone that is into the insurance space that also has a wealth of knowledge about being a landlord and knowing the rental investing space. There's not a lot of insurance, I'm just going to say it loosely, brokers out there that know the investment space. They know how to build policies around them but they don't know the intricacies of being a landlord and sometimes the the risks associated with you know tenant management and all of the little things that can go wrong and i tell you in the first year of investing we had a lot of that mm-hmm. uh, which way do you screw in the the light bulb or you know i accidentally left the stove on too long and the and the glass exploded and now there's shards of glass all in the wall it's like how do you even do that and, you know, there's all these little things that happen. And it wasn't too long ago, our town experienced an F4 tornado. And it was the most terrifying thing. It came right over mine and my wife's house with our three-month-old son back then. And it also went right over top of four of our rental properties. And we learned a, a really hard lesson that day. We did not know what was covered. We had no idea about ACV, actual cash value. And then what's the other one, the other value no, re- replacement cost value. Replacement cost value. That's right. Yeah. And we had no idea what were we insured on. Like We were like, oh, I guess we're getting some new roofs. And it turned out it's like, no, you're going to write a check for those roofs. You had ACV, not RCV. And you know they'll give you 20%. So I'd, I'd like to maybe get into a little bit about that. You know, What are some things that investors may not know about their insurance policies and like what is covered, what is not covered? What, should, what are the red flags? What should we be looking for? You started off that question hitting the nail on the head, right? Which is there are agents that are out there that that no one understand the real estate investment space, right? They're not just writing the policy. They might have a rental themselves, right? They're mm-hmm. understanding the cash flow and the P&L and, and the yeah. overall impact and the math and the calculus that you might want to go through when you're either deciding between a $1,000 deductible or a $10,000 deductible, right? And how does that impact you? What does cash flow look like? How are rents looking? What, what other types of expenses are you going to have on that property over the course of the year? 
that's the type of conversation you want to be able to have with mm-hmm. with those agents. And there's a lot of value in then working with those folks because of the programs that they have access to in this space. Some of the things that that you really do want to pay attention to, the other big one that, that you unfortunately probably learned a lot about, and most people don't learn about it until until you have to, right? They have a fire, they have a tornado, they have a hurricane. That biggest one is, is really replacement cost. Even before you get into a discussion around replacement cost versus actual cash value, and actual cash value to to your point is they're they're going to write you a check, right? You know, here's the calculation of what they believe it's worth or was worth plus depreciation, and there's your check. And thanks so much. And you know, we we felt like you had a year's left on those shingles. Well, we're going to give you a year's worth of the total value of the course of that that twenty year lifespan. And so replacement cost is important and has become even more important over the last several years. That's the amount of money that the insurance company agrees will replace the actual property, including in the worst case scenario, right? You know, bulldozing the, the rest of a burned out property, right? You have an entire loss. There's a fire, unfortunately. You got to clear the land, remediate the land, and then rebuild, right? All of that is inclusive inside that replacement cost number. And for a lot of folks, their agent, if you know, if they're not really savvy inside the, the real estate investment space, or they just really, you know, they, they haven't taken the effort to look, you might still be at the same replacement cost that you might have requested three, five, seven years ago when you bought the property, right? You just renewed it every year and nothing's really changed and you've continued. Well, we've seen folks that have come to Obi that are at, you know, even in Florida, $65 a square foot, $85 a square foot, right? You can't replace that property for anything less than probably 120 or 140 down there. Yeah, and they they don't know, right? And so on top of that, you also have inflation on materials. You have wood costs that have been going up. Labor costs are also going up. And so if there's no other item that I think that your listeners should look at, either when they're purchasing a policy or when it's coming up for renewal, is look at you know that building coverage amount. Sometimes it's called coverage A. Sometimes it's called replacement cost value. And you want to divide that by your square footage. And if it comes out to something you know below one hundred and twenty dollars a square foot, you really want to say. Does this seem right? Does it seem like I would be able to rebuild the property that I have in the condition that it's in with the furnishings that it has for that that price? And if the answer is yes, then then okay, then that's something you're comfortable with. But if it's not, that's the conversation you want to start having with your agent. That is at the very least the thing that I think gets most people in trouble. Yeah, we were in trouble by it. You know, we had uh, two total losses and two fractional losses on our tornado damage and we were kind of out and it, it was really difficult. Now, luckily our portfolio was strong enough and big enough that we could leverage other properties to help us you know, recover, but not everybody's in that spot. To your point, I think the biggest thing that is important to know is in the event that you go below that replacement cost number, if you have debt on the property, if you've got a mortgage on that property, when the insurance company comes and they say, hey, listen, it's going to cost us 300 grand to rebuild. You only had $200,000 worth of coverage. The bank might just say, and, and they're allowed to do it, you know what, insurance company, just just cut me a check for my portion, right? So if you still got, you know, if you did an 80-20 and, and you lost the house shortly thereafter, the bank's going to come for their, you know, $150,000, $175,000 check. Mm-hmm. And you're going to be left with, you know, 20, 30 grand and a property that that it's now your your job to remediate. For, yeah. You know, you, you own that land and that's it. And they released you from the, the loan. And then what do you do? Right. Now right? It's not even like, yeah, it's not even like you had that 150 or that 200 to, to try and rebuild some type of structure. Right. The bank doesn't want to deal with the, the rebuild, right? They don't right. want to deal with, with the next, you know, eight to 12 months to, to rebuild that property. That's the other big challenge for folks that I don't think that they realize is that you might not have the money that you think you're going to have to actually rebuild that property as well. 
Yeah. Insurance is one of those very necessary evils when it comes to the real estate investing space because it can be cumbersome to understand. Does OB offer any type of like education or, you know, walkthroughs on understanding the nomenclature and just the intricacies of insurance coverage? We do a couple of things. The biggest thing that we felt when we talked to a lot of other real estate investors when we were deciding if we really wanted to move forward with building this technology platform was that so many people felt like it was a black hole, right? The word black hole came up a ton, right? And so what we felt and, and where, where we believe that the technology can really plug a lot of those gaps is that you can move through the OB process. You can get an instant quote in all 50 states for most one to four unit properties across the country. And as you're moving through the different questions, there is help text, right? There's visuals. There's things there that you know we try and make as easy as a, as a fifth grader level. So that way, as you're making a decision on whether or not you want that endorsement or you want the type of coverage or you want a high deductible or a low deductible, we're trying to educate you on what the pluses and minuses might look like. Right. And so our experience and our frustration was that as a business owner, when we used to get insurance quotes back you know, five, seven, almost 10 years ago in our portfolio, if we wanted to see a different deductible, if we wanted to see what a replacement cost value versus actual cash value on the roof would look like right, in terms of costs... We would always have to go back to the agent, and then that poor agent has to go back to the carrier and create all of these different combinations. Well, the carrier also just has some person sitting there in front of an Excel spreadsheet and a model trying to run all those different scenarios, and they're not going to want to do that, right, inherently. And that agent doesn't want to do that. So maybe they give you like three different options, and they say, okay, Eric, here's what it looks like at a $1,000 deductible. Here's at five. Here's at 10. We didn't really mess with anything else. You know, what do you want to do? Right. And it gets confusing and you just pick one. And hopefully you've had a good advocate and it's it's decent enough coverage. But we wanted to build something where when you get to the end of that process, you feel good about the decisions that you made. And then we built a digital underwriting model so that way you can change any of those combinations on the checkout page until your heart's content. Right. You want to see what all the endorsements and all the added coverage looks like and what that price looks like, you can do that. You want to make it bare bones and say, you know what? Cash is a little tight this year. I'm going to go with a ten thousand dollar deductible, and I'm going to I'm going to limit my coverage that way. I don't have a lot of outbound expenses. I'm yeah. going to do that here as well. But then you feel like you're in control. You feel like you made that decision, and I think that's what starts to change a little bit of that feeling around it being a necessary evil. Right, man. You you cleared that up very well. The tool that you bring to the investor, the the client, clearing up some of those questions that we have. I'm only six and a half, seven years into real estate investing, and my wife is much more savvy than I am on understanding insurance. But you know, I, I do understand it pretty well because of the tornado we went through. But having something like that, you know, just on the checkout page saying actual cash value, here's what your deductible is, here's what your premiums are, and spread out over the portfolio. Here's here's how much you can expect to pay. Here's how much you were paying. Here's your savings. Just having that clarity at the checkout page is huge and helps a layman like me. So thank you for sharing that. Our listeners, you know, hopefully most of our listeners right now are either aspiring real estate investors or they are experienced real estate investors. What is one thing they can do right now, you know, at the end of the day to go and make sure that they have the right coverage in the event a claim should be filed? The biggest thing that I can recommend is get a copy of your of your declarations page, right? A lot of people buy insurance and usually to no fault of the agent, it's usually depending on the carrier that they're working with. Mm-hmm. Those documents can sometimes take a while, right? And sometimes things slip through the cracks. Maybe you got the email, maybe you didn't, maybe it was supposed to come in the mail and it didn't. 
you want to get a copy of what's known as your declarations page. That is like the summary of your coverage. And the first thing you want to look at is the replacement cost, which we've already talked about. And the second thing is you want to make sure that you actually have a landlord policy. I think it might shock most people to know there's a good probably 10 to 20% of landlords that exist out there that don't have the right policy, right? They have a homeowner's policy. And a lot of that is due to the fact that very similar landlords to myself, they had their first maybe starter condo. And then instead of selling it, they decided to rent that one out. We bought a home, right? And so they just kept the homeowner's policy on there. Well, insurance companies, they'll pay the claim if you paid for the, the coverage and have the right policy. But if something happens and that adjuster shows up and you you know, you know never changed your, your state farm homeowner's policy, right? That adjuster comes to the door and the tenant answers. They say, "Well, hey, you know, where, where's the homeowner? I'm looking for I'm looking for Eric." And they say, "Well, Eric's not here. I'm the tenant." And that adjuster immediately just kind of writes it down and says, "Well, this is a homeowner's policy. This is supposed to be, you know, inhabited by by the actual homeowner." Yeah. There's a very good chance that they're not going to cover the property, right? And so, for a lot of listeners, that's as easy as just adding on a landlord endorsement to your homeowner's policy. Mm. Or you might just have to cancel that coverage, which is easy to do. You'll get a prorated refund, and then you want to rebuy that as a landlord policy, right? That is a big, I think, easy to miss oversight, especially for those new landlords. So many of the kind of accidental or part-time landlords that exist out there, they started with their original house, right? Or their starter house, mm. their starter condo, and they just never changed the coverage, right? And we see a lot of unfortunate incidents where people come to us and say, hey, my last policy... I had a small kitchen fire, my tenant caused it. And then the, the insurance company, they, ne- they never paid, right? And then we look at the policy and that's, that's why we see what happened. And so that's one of the other pig pieces of advice that I can give people that they can do right now to make sure that they're appropriately covered. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. On the landlord policy, now there are different uses of properties that can exist. You can have short-term, long-term, short leases, long leases, commercial leases. When it comes to, let's just dive into like Airbnbs, how does an Airbnb policy differ from a landlord policy? Great question. So OB is probably one of the few providers in the US that actually provides a short-term rental policy for somebody, you know, renting out on an Airbnb or VRBO. The difference is really, you know, again, in the way the insurance company looks at it is that it's it's just a difference in underwriting, right? You have multiple tenants that are moving through there. And so that adds both risk as well as as some safety measures, right? Mm-hmm. I like short-term rentals from a an insurance perspective. Somebody that has a property manager or you yourself or a cleaning person going through there on a regular basis, we see our Airbnbs more than we see our, you know, our long-term tenant rentals that we own, right? Just because of the number of folks that that move through that property. And so you do want to make sure that that policy, even if you have the correct landlord type of policy, you want to make sure that you've also told your agent that it's used as a short-term rental and that they've added that on, even if it doesn't impact much in terms of price or coverages, that the carrier is also aware of it. That's the biggest piece. Your insurance agent's a lot like your lawyer. There is no downside to being completely honest with them about exactly what's going on at your property. Because you don't want that insurance carrier to come, you know, a month or two down the line to do a property inspection. They find something that's just a nuisance for you. You're going to have to rewrite that. And you ultimately don't want to have something where there's a claim that comes up and it wasn't originally disclosed on there. Not because you were trying to be, you know, nefarious or deceitful, but because you didn't know that there was a difference between a long-term tenant policy and a short-term tenant policy, right? Those are the things that you just want to be as clear as possible with your agent, you know, either over the phone or in an application or over an email as you're moving through that process. 
Outstanding. Appreciate that. And I bring that up personally. I mean, it's a little selfish for me to ask only because we're getting into the short-term space and we have a lot of single family rentals and and a couple of properties that we actually rent out by the bedroom, but they're long-term leases. Those policies look very different than what the short-term policy is going to be. And you answered a lot of my questions and hopefully some questions of our listeners out there. Now, there are many different types of coverages for investors to consider. Can you share what most policies will come with and what types of additional coverages that investors should be made aware of? Your typical coverages are going to be, you know, obviously the property, right? The actual structure, we talked about that. And then also your your general liability, right? That's in the event that somebody trips and falls. Even if you have a vendor there, your property manager happens to slip and fall or a maintenance individual, a friend of, of one of the tenants that are in there. Most policies are going to cover either $300,000 or $500,000 in coverage. However, there are carriers now that will offer up to a million dollars in coverage. And I would highly recommend that people add that on there, given kind of the, the litigious nature of society these days and some of the lawsuits that you know everybody can just get named in, as well as some of the accidents and the actual medical things that, that can happen on a trip and fall or, or other mm-hmm. types of liability events. It does not cost that much more to get a million dollars in coverage. It might sound like it would, but you're talking an extra maybe $20, $30, $40 for the year. It's right. very, very worth it in those circumstances. So those are the two things that really come, I would say, broadly on any type of policy. Now, what's important for, I would say, as a landlord, one of them is loss of rent, right? Or it's called business income loss. That's really protecting you in the event that there's some type of claim or some type of incident that happened at the property. In the event that you have to move your tenants out, you might be responsible for putting them up in in the local hotel for a couple of weeks to help Mm -hmm. them find other housing until they they can support themselves as well as making sure that you're getting paid for the lost income that you otherwise would have had on that property. That's, again, a very inexpensive coverage, but something that I think people really kind of overlook. They're like, well, I don't want to add too much of this because it might might add on to the cost of my premium. It doesn't. Make sure that you've got a good 12 to 18 months worth of rent that looks like will cover you in the event that you might end up having to rebuild that entire property. You might have zoning permits or other entitlements or things that you might have to go through during that process that might take a full year in order to be able to do. The other two that I would also highly recommend, one is water backup. Most people, you know, in your individual homeowners policies, that's an important coverage, but you know, hopefully people understand what they should and should not be like throwing down the toilet or or you know sticking down their sink. Right. It's your own property. Hopefully you're taking really good care of it, but you, you can't always trust the tenant to to know or do the right thing. So water backup is a really important one. And then the second one that I think is is kind of the you know the silent one is uh, something called law and ordinance coverage, right? Mm-hmm. If you have a property that's probably over forty to fifty years old, law and ordinance coverage really comes in when you have a loss that is going to require you to make some type of repair to your property that now is covered under some type of new ordinance or law in your local municipality, yeah. right? So if you had if you had piping out to the street that was of a certain type. Maybe not lead, right? But it was it was some type of piping, right? But the city now, the city connection to their main line requires some other type of setup that your property didn't have, but was otherwise grandfathered into. If you have a loss that now impacts that, and you're going to have to make a new connection or a new update to your electrical or new wiring, new HVAC, whatever that might be, your law and ordinance coverage will now cover the delta, right, between what you would have had to put in under your replacement cost. As well as now, whatever that new law or ordinance that's in place is going to require an increase in cost. If you don't have that, the insurance company is going to, again, give you the check that's required in order to create the replacement value of what you had. 
But then if your city comes in and says, Hey, actually I need steel, right. Or we need to remediate the, the aluminum that's in the, you know, that's in the wiring, whatever that might be, mm-hmm. you're going to be on the hook for that Delta in the event that you don't have that. So those are the two that I would also always recommend that people have. Yeah, we were almost in a spot on that on one of our houses built in 1905. And it almost took the whole roof off. It didn't take the whole roof off. But if it did, we would have had to replace all the wiring in the house and update it. And we would have lost our grandfather of a triplex and had to put up fire remediation walls and all this stuff that it's really good for code. I mean, stuff that we would have done. But had we had to do that, I'm not sure we had that rider on our program, on our policy. So I'm so glad you brought that up. That's something we're going to definitely go look into with our houses that are you know built before 1976, probably. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that, Aaron. Y'all, Aaron is a wealth of knowledge. He is obviously uh, just unpacking some some incredible wisdom about insurance. And I want to invite you to sign up to our email list because we're going to dive into a bonus episode that's going to be sent out to all of our email lists this Friday. And we're going to dive into some even more nitty gritty topics where Aaron's going to give you some crazy value. So if you're not on our email list already, I encourage you to head on over to onpurposeinvestor.com slash sign up. That link's going to be in the show notes to get even better, deeper, more wisdom from Aaron and hear about what more Obi has to offer. I want to make sure you tune in next week where Tiffany and I are going to talk about, is your accountant doing enough for you in your real estate portfolio? So Aaron, thank you for being on our show today. I'm excited to dive into our bonus content. All of you listeners out there, if you're not already on the email list, go hit subscribe and sign up. And this Friday, you're going to hear the part two. Thanks, Eric. Thank you, Aaron. We are immensely grateful for you joining us today. If you haven't already done so, we invite you to subscribe to our show. We understand that many of you tune in regularly, but perhaps haven't had the chance to hit that subscribe button yet. Don't worry, it's effortless. Takes about three seconds to follow or subscribe on your platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're enjoying the show. Your support is invaluable to us and has played a crucial role in the tremendous growth of our podcast. We sincerely appreciate your assistance in any way, shape, or form. Together, we can launch this podcast to even greater heights.